0: Hey, this is Jesse Paul Smith, My Creative District Podcast, and in this episode, we're going to be chatting with my good friend, Mike Brennan, the founder and creator of MikeBrennan.me, and then, of course, Creative Chats Podcast, and he's going to be talking about how he went from depression to daily habits using his art that built his business. Let's get to it.
1: Welcome to another episode of the My Creative District podcast, where we discuss how to channel your creative power into building the life you want, building the business you want, and making the impact you want. We believe creatives can live out a passionate and fulfilled life when they completely embrace their unique design and purpose. Want to turn your passion into profit? Stay tuned to hear from industry professionals, paradigm shifters, and world changers who have done just that and live it every day. This is the My Creative District podcast with your host, Jesse Paul Smith.
0: Hey, Mike, welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to have you here, brother.
2: Absolutely, Jesse. It is my pleasure because, dude, I love you. I love what you do and uh, just being around you. So thank you. No man, it's it's been good. We, you know, uh, when we got introduced
0: um, by our mutual friend Daniela, you know, we had a phone conversation, and, and quickly uh, I realized, oh man, this is this is a guy that I want to get around, a guy I want to talk to. Not only are you super creative, but I, I love the heart behind your creativity, and of course, came on our summit and crushed it. Uh, I was super impressed with your presentation for that. So I'm excited to get into this conversation a little bit around, you know, one around your story, because that's what this whole whole podcast is about, is about a story that every creative person goes through to, to really find their sweet spot with their creativity, right? We, you know, oftentimes we have these grander plans of, you know, big spotlights doing the music videos or having, you know, the big art galleries or, you know, uh, making the big movie or whatever. And although those things are great, there's a lot of space in between there that people can fall do having a phenomenal career. And that's, that's kind of what you have found is you found a place in that, in that space. And I'm, I'm, I'm excited to talk to you, to, uh, to you about that. So, you know, you're an art is, is phenomenal. Um, but I want to kind of go take some context back and, and talk about when did you really
2: start finding that art was your thing? Yeah. So I think like most artists when they were a kid, that was the time at which it became really obvious. So for me, it it showed up like me being obsessed about cartoons. Um, I loved Looney Tunes. I loved Woody Woodpecker. I loved all the old school cartoons, um, Saturday morning cartoons that sadly no longer exists in that form. But... That was like, I, I looked forward to that. Um, I would spend hours in front of the TV um, and not to make it sound like I have bad parents by any means, but you know, they just knew that I loved these characters and I loved these worlds that were happening there. And um, so much so that what would happen is I would start to actually um, learn to draw by mimicking these, these characters. And so it branched out from animated TV shows to actually some things that were in, you know, Sunday morning newspapers, you know, Garfield and Bloom County and all these comic strips. And I used to actually lay them on top of this. I had this present once that was the best gift I had gotten as a kid. It was a light box that was for kids and it was Disney, and so it came with like these little sheets that you would trace over with different limbs and characters and stuff. But when I kind of got tired of that stuff, then I started putting the newspaper on top. And even though there was like print that would come through the other side, and I had to kind of navigate. Wait, what's the correct side that I'm tracing? It really helped me figure out like how are these people drawing these characters? What does this look like? And um, it, it just fueled the fire for me to be creating things on my own. And then what I would do is I would create greeting cards for family members. And so um, that was always fun because I would go and, you know, create whatever character on the card and then give it to somebody like say my mom or dad or somebody. And for me to see their face light up when I gave them this card. And of course they would put it on the fridge, you know, like all good parents do. Right. Or um, they would somehow just show that they were proud of this at an early age that solidified in me something that obviously I couldn't put in these words, but looking back, I realized that I could create something and give it to someone and impact their life. Even if it's just for a moment and if it's just to make them smile, like that's an incredible gift to be able to do that. And I was like, I want to do more of that. I just knew that I needed to lean into more art making And maybe not necessarily know exactly what that was going to look like. If it was going to be cartoons or animation or comic books, um, because that's what my world was filled with as a kid. But I knew that I needed to do more of this and let's figure out how to do that.
0: So obviously you fall in love with this, this, this art. And when did you really start to pursue it as a career? When did you, when did you, or did you, I mean, did it, was it like, okay, I'm going to do this for real. And what was kind of your plan Uh, on how you were going to do that. How did you want to make art a career?
2: Yeah, so it's interesting because I didn't have a lot of examples around me as far as what that looked like. And this is pre-internet, which I know makes me sound ancient, but (laughs) it's the truth of the reality of the 80s. Um, And, you know, I was being guided by some people who were, you know, maybe more business-minded, more practical, And so conversations start to happen in high school where I knew that this was stuff that I loved. I took more and more art classes and it came time for discussions with my parents of like, okay, what are you going to do for college? And, you know, I spoke those words that, that, just make all parents shudder when they hear them is I want to go to art school (laughs) right (laughs) so um you know and then they were like no no really like what what do you want to do and I was like no really that's actually what I want to do and somehow in my adolescence I thought I was going to do something spiteful against them and I was like well you know what if I'm not going to art school I'm not going to school at all I'll show you you know like yeah I'll shipwreck my life and somehow that'll (laughs) you know (laughs) <laughs> but um, they they came to understand quickly that I was serious about it and that I was pretty um, determined to do that and stubborn, honestly. Um, and so I ended up going into um, to art school. I went to Fashion Institute of Technology in New York City and then School of Visual Arts. But the, the caveat there was they said, well, can you at least do something that could potentially make more money and be a little more practical? Um, because I think in their eyes, either fine art or animation, even it was kind of a one in a million shot to be able to make it in that. And they knew too many stories that were like the starving artist type of thing. And so they said, can you be more practical? So practical meant me going into graphic design because there was a commercial aspect to it. And they knew that I could get a job doing something, any number of things that was in that field. And it was kind of a happy medium, at least for us. So I was okay with that because I thought, well, I'm really into music also. So maybe that can look like doing, you know, album covers or something within the music industry or in the entertainment industry, because that was so much of what I loved of pop culture and things that were happening, you know, in my youth. So, so it's interesting because,
0: you know, there's this hardcore debate on there, right? There's people that are like college, nah, college, absolutely. Um, And granted you went for graphic arts, uh, you know, for graphic design, but I would imagine you were still hanging with the art kids to some degree. What did you see, did you, if at all, any benefit to yourself in going to college? How do you feel like that helped your career? Even now, when you look back, do you feel like there is some residue of those years in college that has set you up to help you today?
2: Yeah, you know, in terms of the actual education, not every professor that I had was a great one. Um, the, the benefit of going to the schools that I did go to was that the requirement was the, the, the teachers had to be in the field still. So they were practicing and they were up on current trends and things that were happening and able to lend that. So it wasn't somebody who was like, Hey, I did this 30 years ago and now I'm like getting ready to retire and I'm teaching you things that are no longer relevant in the, in the field. So that was very helpful. Um, in terms of knowledge, you know, and skills and techniques and things, I think nowadays you can find so much of that stuff on the internet, and you can find a lot for free. You can find it by finding people who are doing those things and asking someone to be kind of a mentor. Um, I think that is is definitely a very uh, viable route. But I will say that the thing that it did for me was really it gave me a community to create within. It was competitive. And so it raised the bar on the type of work that you did. And it exposed you to a lot of things that were outside of your norm. Having exposure to people from various places and different types of design aesthetics and, and, you know, when you get into the nitty gritty of what you're doing, that really helped broaden my sense of what was really happening in the world at large, not just in my little slice of life. And then as far as afterwards, I think there's just an assurance that there's a caliber of work that has happened because of having gone through that institution with the people who are guiding you and instructing you, they set the tone for the professional level and expectations of work. And so being associated with that, having gone through that, there's an automatic assurance that happens with people who are familiar with that to go, okay, when you say you're a graphic designer and then you say, okay, you graduated from the school of Visual arts. Oh, well that takes on a different meaning to me than gives you some credibility. Exactly. Yeah. And you're not just a graphic designer who took some YouTube classes or whatever. And, just figure some stuff out on your own. And I'm not taking anything away from that. But I am saying that there is a a level and a caliber of work that you can do um, that only comes when you're surrounded by people who are doing that type of work. And uh, those are the people who are speaking to you and guiding your journey and teaching you things at a level that's much deeper. Um, And so that's been very, very beneficial as far as the art education and what follows.
0: Now you mentioned something in there too about mentorship, finding a mentor that can guide you. When you were in college, did you, did you have the awareness at that time to find that person or find those people that you could really utilize? Okay.
2: (laughs) No, no, unfortunately not. I think I was very intimidated when I went into art school because people were so stinking good. And I felt like, Oh, I'm, even if I felt like I was average in high school or, or pretty good in these waters, I was like, wow, these people are phenomenal. And that really, um, I had a hard time not comparing myself to a lot of people around me. And then also just trying to learn as much as I could. I didn't have a sense of um, direction like that to say, let me find somebody who can mentor me. But you know i have certain people along the way that i would gravitate towards and then learn what i could for whatever period of time and then kind of switch things up so it wasn't necessarily one person that was with me through uh through the whole process but i had kind of pockets of experience and even through all that like i was always looking for somebody to tell me context somebody give me parameters of what should i be doing like i'll show up i'll do a good job i'll work hard but Give me context. Let me know where some of this. And I think some of that stuff, honestly, as I look backwards, I think some of it is based in fear, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Because I was afraid to put myself out there. I was afraid to have an opinion, a voice, and feeling like there was this, um, this class system that was going on where there's these people up there and they're the people with the, with the power and the experience and the talent. And then there's kind of me over here and I'm trying to make my way up there but there's definitely a divide and I don't know how to cross that.
0: Yeah. That's that comparison gap that I think, you know, it, it that is, that is universal amongst all creatives. We, you know, we, we have people that we look at that were like, well, I could never be at that level or, you know, well, maybe I should just hang it up. Cause I'll never, I'll never be like them. I know that that's something that even in the dance world, I, I really struggled with when I would go to these classes or I'd go to these auditions um, you get intimidated really quick when you're in a room full of 800 dancers and you you just were like, well, I just saw that. I just saw that dancer on JLo's last v- music video or just on tour with Omarion over here or whatever the deal was. I was always comparing myself. Um, and And I think when you do that and you step on stage, whatever stage that might be, the art stage, the acting stage, the music stage, it causes you to hold back. Um, and, and not like you said, all, then all of a sudden you're looking for these validation parameters that will be like, okay, you're good enough. So now you can lean a little bit harder into it. How do you feel like that comparison gap, um, might've stunted you during those years or, you know, how did you navigate through it? So it didn't.
2: Yeah, that's a great question. I think I did miss out on a lot of opportunities simply because I let it, keep me in a place where i didn't feel confident and i let myself believe that there was that kind of class system and was looking for mm-hmm. either the validation like you said or permission and staying in that place really for a long time it gets frustrating and it doesn't allow you to look at things in terms of opportunities of like oh okay i'm going to give that a shot you know you don't consider risk Everything is very much like, I'm going to keep my cards close to me. I'm going to be a little more guarded and protected. And I think because of that, you miss out on opportunities and relationships um, that come out of those opportunities. Um, And so I think I spent a a good deal of time kind of drifting in and out of things, looking for something that was supposed to satisfy me, but wasn't.
0: Now, I know that you, so you go to graphic arts design and after college, where did you take your art after that? Like, where did you, where did you find yourself? Cause I know that we're going to get to it, but there was some highs and lows in your art career. Um, and I want to get to that. So where did you head right after college?
2: So right after college uh, I graduated in a year when it was like, you know, economic turmoil, of course. Uh, I feel like, you know, every eight years or so there's that anyway, <laughs> but um at the time it was like, Hey, people aren't hiring and it's kind of tough and whatever. And so I I took a couple of like freelance gigs here and there. Um, I was living in Staten Island at the time where I grew up and working in New York city. And so that was the thought, you know, everybody's got to go to New York city because that's where all the jobs are. That's where the money is, everything else. So, you know, commuting in and I landed my first full-time job was at an advertising agency that was, um, you know, fifth Avenue and 57th street. And, They had corporate clients like Heineken and Mobile and Chase Bank and Pringles. And that was really my first introduction to the corporate machine. And I was very um, naive going in and quickly found that, wow, there's a lot of moving parts here. It's very easy to get lost in the system. And I was also very frustrated by what was happening creatively a lot of times because there were several instances where they would say they would flush the creative system and they just went on a firing spree because they needed new blood. They wanted to change things up. And it seemed like there was no rhyme or reason to who got laid off. And it was a very um, stressful environment to be in. And I was like, I don't think this is the place for me. I I lasted a year there or something maybe. um, And I was like, I'll take what I learned here and then move on. I went to other places where like, it was uh, editorial design. So I did a lot of magazine layout places that I was the art department. Um, so that was very different <laughs> and, and gave me a different set of challenges where it was like at one time I was a part of a, a huge team. Now I was, it was just me and I had to figure out how to be scrappy and kind of bootstrap a lot of stuff where I needed to um, and, and make some relationships with some people to, to figure out some of the pieces of skills that I didn't have. Um, and then I would, you know, it was usually like every five years or so, I would kind of either get this itch or it hit the ceiling or uh, maybe some coworkers would change. And all of a sudden the environment I was working in changed and I was like, "Eh, it's time to go. Um, and kept kind of bouncing around and, you know, in, in the back of your mind you're taught this whole thing of keep stepping on to into each opportunity because it's a stepping stone to something else. Right. Uh, Keep climbing the ladder, if you will. Um, even creatively. And so this job would lead to that job. And then you hope that you get a raise and you hope that there's more, you know, whatever that is, right? And so uh, eventually shifted around enough times where I was at this other magazine then, great company. I had stopped commuting at this point. Um, It was was local. And I was like, yes, I'm not wasting all this time now, you know, on a bus and a ferry and a train, you know, (laughs) like stealing moments of my life away. Um, And yet I found myself really, Uh, struggling with the fact that I had a deadline every two weeks. I was cranking out work and not really enjoying the work that I was doing or getting a chance to enjoy the work I was doing. And there was another deadline right on top of it. And so it was this rhythm that was starting to wear away at me over time, coupled with me feeling like uh, asking questions at this point in my life where I'm like, is this it? Because this doesn't feel like it should be it this doesn't feel like I've arrived at anything. It just feels like I'm, I'm treading water and I don't know where else to go from here, but I feel like something needs to change. And at the same time, I was very much uh, doing a lot of volunteer ministry in, in my home church and a lot of people stuff, relational stuff. Mm-hmm. And that was the stuff, honestly, that started lighting me up. I was like, this is the stuff where I feel like I'm I'm making more of an impact. Um, I'm seeing people's lives, you know, being, seeing their faces light up, kind of like when I was a kid, you know, and I would create a piece of art. Well, in this case, I wasn't necessarily creating a piece of art, but I was getting down and sit down and have conversations with people or come alongside people and be of help, be of service. And that felt very right to me. And so that led me to doing a career change and going into full-time ministry and me going, I don't know what that looks like. And how does an artist go into full-time ministry? Um, <laughs> I'm not necessarily seminary material, right? <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, So that led a whole another chapter then of, okay, go into ministry. What does that look like? Figure this out as you go. Um, there were opportunities that came. My best friend growing up, he was at a church where he was a youth pastor. They needed some assistance. So it meant a move. And this was a crazy point, right? This was one of those, those moments where you're looking at life, Jesse, and you're like, okay, this is a defining moment of what I do next. Um, I decided to say, I'm going to step out and do this, which was scary for me because again, I wasn't necessarily into risk and we had just purchased our first home. My first daughter was on the way and life was on a track and suddenly it wasn't. And I had to have a lot of conversations that were like, yeah, we're moving and the house that we just bought, we're selling. And by the way, I'm gonna be separated from my wife who is pregnant with our first child for a number of months until we get settled and figure out what comes next.
0: Upheaval. That's scary. Big time. That's scary. Now it's interesting too because I think I notice a thread that that happens, especially with creatives, is a couple of things. It's interesting you bring up the corporate thing. And you know, you you saw that there was there's this mythical thing that I think that we keep hearing is that stepping into your passion like your parents or people around you said that's the broke artist direction don't go that direction because you know it leads to bad okay and then you go the corporate direction and you realize this led to bad now I think what we do is we validate good or bad based on consistent paycheck versus non-consistent paycheck but there is so much more to life than a consistent paycheck. There is the idea of we were created to do something and that wasn't just to be a money machine. We were created to make impact, created to, you know, uh, do something with this basket of gifts that we were given. And there's not just one way to do it. So, you know, even, even in the the artistic route, like if you're a dancer, singer, you know, artist, whatever, we have these grander ideas of if I'm going to be a successful artist, this is what it needs to look like. And then some people get there and they're like, oh, wait, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. Just like you did in the corporate route. Oh, wait, I, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. And one of the things I think is, is interesting is that was when you were focused completely on one side of one, one gift you had. I want to use art. So if I'm going to use art, this is the direction I go. And then you start getting into this ministry stuff and you're like, wait a minute. There's this other thing that I like called people. <laughs> and I like impacting people. And and there's this there's this misconception that we are one or the other. And it's often our our sweet spot our our ability to actually live out our passions and to really, you know, live the the dream life that we've been thinking about as an artist for so long, a creative for so long is usually found in that sweet spot when we take all of the things that we like and are good at and we combine them and have them meet. And so you step out and do this ministry thing, right? And was that kind of like at that point, did you kind of say, all right, I guess art is no longer and we're just going to go full born to ministry? Or what, what did you do with art when you had to make that decision?
2: Yeah, it was kind of difficult because I didn't really know how to fit that in. And I wasn't necessarily doing a lot of art on my own, you know, for personal reasons, it was always tied to my, my roles and my jobs. And so now it wasn't part of my job. I was kind of like, I don't really know where this fits. If it fits, we'll kind of see. And I just knew that I had enough other things that I was thrown into an environment that I had to, again, once again, figure it out as I went. Um, what is this going to look like, uh, and and how do I show up, and how do I who's doing things in a way that I respect and think that I want to try to emulate a little bit and learn from, um, in the ministry context. So it was again just this whole upheaval of of things, and so I didn't really consciously set art aside. But what ended up happening was that through the the time that I was in ministry, it did get set aside. A matter of fact, there was a ten year period where I didn't really do anything of my own art. That's a long time. Yeah. A long time. Every once in a while I would do something maybe because they knew I had a design background and we needed something for the ministry, you know, to package something up, you know, or whatever. But by and large, I, I was not engaging with that part of myself. And ultimately it started to really mess with me. And that coupled with I think it's funny because you know you were talking about before where you you segment these things, right? So like it's like art stuff is over here and relationship ministry stuff is over here and I had swung so far into the relational ministry stuff and and left the art stuff so much that it messed with me more than I ever thought it would. That coupled with a lot of other things of me taking on roles that really were not in my gifting, stuff that was really more administrative and again it went back to practicality, right? Because it was those were things that had to get done. Somebody had to do these and no one else was stepping up to do them. So I guess I have to do these things and you can very easily, if you're a creative who has that kind of conscience, end up taking on roles and responsibilities because it's practical, but not because it's what you should be doing. Um, And then you can find yourself almost like with this martyr kind of complex, right? Because you're like, ah, oh, you know, I did it for the greater good, but nobody cares and it's messing me up and it's what, you know? <laughs> so you gotta be real careful with that. Um, but ultimately it led me to to a place where I was like, everything's falling apart. Um, I started suffering from depression and didn't even realize it because I was so busy that I didn't understand that people were telling me I was depressed. And I was like, I, what are you talking about? Depressed people are like sitting on the couch, eating potato chips, watching talk shows all day long. Like, I, that's not me, right? but it was me in in a very high-functioning depression type of way because I knew that life was falling apart. And so much so then where I didn't really know, I felt like I had this visual of this, this huge ball of twine or yarn and it was all knotted up and I couldn't find the end. I couldn't figure out how do I unravel this? How do I get to the bottom of what the problem even is so that I can move on? and started to feel like a hopelessness and started to feel like this bleakness. And that really messed with me because I always felt like I I was somebody who was able to be optimistic and have hope and to be in this dark season where I was like, I don't know if I'm getting out of this. I don't know if this is just what life is now. And if this is what life is now, I don't know how I can function and survive in this. So it was really difficult, dark days, a lot of stripping away. Having to leave that job in ministry, my faith community, um, sell a house again, a lot of loss during that time. I also received word that my dad had uh, had cancer and it was uh, spreading rapidly and so I found myself once again where i 'm now leaving my family and coming to my parents house, trying to care for my dad a little bit, my family someplace else, the kids had to finish school. we were trying to transition into New Jersey and a position that I had got actually in the church, but doing graphic design. And it was just one thing after another of loss and suffering and sadness and darkness. And then a week into my new position, my dad passed away. So it was a very quick process. And I just remember like being outside one time and just kind of looking up at the stars in the sky. And I'm going like, how did life get here? Like, how did this happen? this wasn't planned. This isn't what I wanted. This isn't like, I always tried to make the best decisions and the wisest choices I could. I tried to be practical. I tried to love the people around me. I tried the best of everything. And yet I found that it brought me to this place of depression and I couldn't make sense of it. And it wasn't until getting some help and moving through it. And ultimately what ended up happening was it caused me to question and go, okay, what's really important in my life? Like I'm at rock bottom right now. I really probably can't lose too much else. There's still more I could lose, but not too much else. And what else can my life look like? What do I want it to look like? When you start asking those questions, when you start getting really clear and serious with yourself and ruthless with yourself, asking what do I want my life to look like? What do I really have to offer other people? Where are my passions and skills? I had a dream at one time, I feel like it died. Is there a way for it to come back or is there a new dream that needs to be birthed? And through all that stuff, slowly journaling a lot, seeking health, you know, and, and help, uh, through, through therapy and counselors and, and surrounding myself with people who can speak into me and coming to a place where I came back to my own art personally. I felt like there was this call in me that said, come back to a place where you're creating just because you enjoyed it. Like find that place again. That place where you, as a little kid, you were there showing up, doing your thing, no clients, no budgets, no committees, no pressure, but just doing it because you simply loved to do it. Can we find our way back to there, you know? That, that's powerful because I think
0: we've been given these creative gifts, and I think a lot of times we get lost in the idea of the creative gifts for uh, the reasons of performing and making a career out of it, and you know flashy lights and all that kind of stuff but it's also been given to us for us like if we're able to make an impact on people's lives through our creativity we're able to make an impact on our own life through our own creativity and it's this whole concept of doing it for the love of it not doing it for the result of it and and I think that's really hard sometimes to remember because we especially as creatives and dreamers. We're grinders, man. We're like you said, we'll just we'll lower our head and go. And we don't take the time to start asking the hard questions that you just said. What do I really want my life to look like? Okay. I want to dance. I want to sing. I want to do art. I want to act. But what else do you want? Like, what do you want the li- your life to look like while you're doing that? And I don't think we take time to ask those questions of ourselves often enough because those are guiding questions that can really help you, uh, you know, get back to your true north. And so, you know, when did you start going through this process and you start asking yourself these questions, when did you start to get back into the groove of your art and doing it? for you first because that's really what you did it for right was kind of for for your own healing process what did you start seeing come out of that when you approached it for that you know in that way
2: yeah it was frustrating at first because I didn't really know what that was supposed to look like because it wasn't related to a job or a role it didn't have context other than hey just do this because you love to do it and I was kind of like um the last time I did something like that was probably back in art school and that was years and years ago and I feel like there's a lot of water under the bridge and <laughs> how do I get back to that if it's even possible? So I started to just explore some books that people recommended. I took a printmaking class that from a local place here um, and was like, this is not something that's a normal expression for me by any means, but maybe having to learn a new Technique or skill will actually help jumpstart and that's actually what it started to do was It gave me this thing of like, okay, I can do this again Like I don't know what it's going to look like necessarily But I can at least engage with that place within me of creating again And let's figure out what this looks like as we go And so I read this book, uh, the creative license by danny gregory and in this book He talked about a couple of things that really were instrumental to me in my days coming back to my art one was a five or 10 minute drawing is better than no drawing at all. And I know that sounds silly at face value, but I really took it to heart and I said, you know what, like I can't imagine spending hours and hours creating something right now. I don't have the energy. I don't have the emotional wherewithal to be able to create something like that right now. But do I have five minutes that I can do a simple drawing at 10 minutes? Yeah, I can do that. You know, that was really important for me. So I, I came around that, I embraced that. The other thing was in this book, he talked about figuring out your style and your voice and how a lot of times people may draw things and they may look wonky. You know, the proportions are off or something's like a little strange. It doesn't look realistic. And for me going into art school, photo realism was a benchmark that really messed me up. And when I saw people who could do things in that style where they could draw and paint and it looked like a photo, it looked like real life. Um, I couldn't emulate that. And when I tried it, it, it ended up in frustration and did not look the way that I wanted to. So I convinced myself, honestly, that I couldn't draw. I convinced myself that I wasn't really going to be ever be a, a real artist because I couldn't do that style. And so stay in your lane, do graphic design, do layouts, colors, logos. That's great. Fine. Stay there, but don't venture into illustration or fine art or anything like that because That's not where you belong. It's a lie I told myself for a really long time. And so I had to confront that and say, no, actually, I may actually be okay with this. I may actually be a legit artist, but i got to give myself the chance and I have to figure out what is my voice? What is my style? Like, what are the things that I find myself gravitating towards? I know that there are a million artists out there and not all of them do photorealism as a style. I know that intellectually. I need to own that in my heart and in my spirit so that I can then step into the things of what my art's supposed to look like so that it's more me. I'm a mess, right? I'm not somebody who's super precise and anal about things. Now, I have to do a lot of that stuff when it comes to design, but that doesn't feel like a true expression when it comes to me actually creating something from scratch. So I learned to embrace my mess. A lot of my stuff has you know, paint flick marks and loose lines and bold colors, like all that stuff came over time of me realizing, oh, that's who I am. Oh, and that's what my art needs to look like. And stop trying to just emulate what I think people want. Stop trying to emulate things that I think I've shackled myself with as far as what my art should look like. And just start embracing what it does look like. You know, and hone it and lean into the skill and the craft. Um, keep showing up. And so early on, I got introduced to this idea of doing a 365 day art making journey, which terrified me because I said, if I went 10 years without doing anything, how in the world am I going to do 365 <laughs> days in a row? That's a lot of so, days. <laughs> that's a lot of days. So I figured out that I needed to break it down into small chunks. And that's exactly what I did. And I said, okay, what if I do seven days of drawing my pets? And then another seven days of drawing some flowers and then another seven days of whatever it looks like and string those days together. You start getting some momentum. You start getting some uh, perspective on what it is that you like and what you don't like. You start giving yourself a place to play and experiment where the pressure's off, which then allows a lot of those deeper issues of style and voice and, and all that stuff to rise up because It doesn't matter. It's you in private testing things out, seeing what works, figuring out what happens if I do this and combine it with that. Oh, that was a train wreck. I won't do that again, but this little piece of it, I'm going to take and apply it to the next thing. So maybe that was the useful part of that. Giving yourself a place to do that is so extremely valuable. I cannot stress that enough because I don't think enough people have that place They get stuck in whatever it is that it's supposed to look like for them, whatever's maybe made them successful in some way. And they just keep pouring gas on that as opposed to how do we have iterations of things? How do we maybe invent something that is not even, there's not even a name for it yet. That's where you go in play and experimenting. And so leaning into that hard, that's where my, my, my journey starts to get traction, you know? I was just going to ask you, so
0: there's so much good stuff in this conversation right here. I'm, I'm, I've got a big smile on my face because I think there's so many people that need to, to to hear this because what you did is you started to do art for your own path to healing. And and just frankly, just being able to enjoy life for the sake of enjoying life without having to always tie a goal or an achievement to it other than just enjoying the gift you were given, right? And I love how you you said I, I embrace my mess, right? There's, uh, I'm very much like you. I I had a mom that would be like drill sergeant when it came to cleanliness and stuff like that, and I'm just not that guy. But in that there's there's beauty in some of our scatteredness, right? Because there's strengths in there, and there's weaknesses, and that's why we have a tendency to you know need to lean on others to help us with our weaknesses and not. Focus all our energy on correcting them, but I love what you're what you're talking about. This you know, one being consistent, but not just looking at it as like I need to do art every day because that's that can get daunting, right? You just said I haven't done art for ten years. How in the world am I going to do 365 days consistently with it? Um, I love how you talk about breaking it down into chunks and not just simply saying, "Well, we're going to do it for seven days," but almost like because there's no objective to the creation, other than just the creation, you can say, I'm going to do this for seven days. I'm going to do this for seven days. And you allow yourself to play, which is again, sometimes when we get so focused on a goal, we don't give ourselves room to play because we are, well, it's got to look like this. It's got to be like this. So we got to, we got to move like this. And in that freedom of let's listen, let's just, let's just create, and, and see what happens. And even if it doesn't come out the way that you wanted it to, I love how you talk about there's still beauty in the mistake, right? We'll take this part and apply it to that. That looks good and apply it to this over here. But, you know, I'm curious. I know that you started this journey for your own healing and no strings attached other than just creating. But what did you start to discover and what started to happen as a result Of you doing this consistently
2: yeah so I leaned in as much as I could and I got to year one I made it 365 days showed up every single day you know birthday sickness holidays whatever did it and then said now what and something in me said you're not done yet keep going keep mining here there's there's deeper levels to go and so I said okay Let's just keep applying more of the same type of things that I was doing, but figure out how to keep growing and showing up in in some new ways. And so I kept doing that, kept leaning in, kept leaning in. And eventually I started to go, okay, yeah, I am finding my voice. I am finding my style. I am finding what types of work that I would love to do more of. Now, this is all, mind you, while I have a full-time job, right, and a family, and I'm trying to figure this out in the margins where I can. Stealing a lunch hour, stealing moments where I'm waiting in line at a store, and I have a sketchbook with me. So I'm like, hey, my 10-minute sketch day is while I'm waiting in line. I'm gonna redeem moments where I can and not cry about the fact that I don't have all the time in the world today because I have this other job. And so really owning that journey, leaning in, figuring that stuff out, and then going, okay, I'm starting to recognize that there's some patterns here. I'm starting to recognize that there's some principles at work. And I'm identifying what those things are, writing them down, and then going, you know what, this isn't just for me, this is for somebody else. This is for other creatives, other people who Either have been away from their craft Maybe they they gave up on it Maybe they 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 hit pause because life Happened and they had to do the responsible route And now they're coming back around to something In a season of life where they're like I need to get back to that because that was Life-giving and because that's what lights Me up I get passionate right now Hearing me talk about this right like that Somebody right now is is their Insides are tingling they're coming alive They're like oh my gosh I feel like Mike Is speaking right into the very core of who I am right now I need to lean into this and and make this a part of what I do and it, because it's a part of who I am, right? And so figuring out how can I then start to talk about this and get this out to other people because it's not just for me. That would be a very selfish thing for me to just say, great, I got some health. I got some perspective. I'm doing some work that I love to do. I found my voice, my style. Rock on. Great. But my life has never been just that. My life has always been about How do I take the moments that I've experienced, even the bad stuff, even the depression and all that stuff? The reason why I talk about that stuff is because I know that there are people who are struggling with that. I know that there are people who need uh, to hear people who've come through that and offer some hope and offer some guidance and some experiences. And so I'm always looking to redeem whatever I can of my journey, good or bad, to help and leverage that for other people to say, listen, if you can avoid some of the things that I fell into, Great, learn from me. And if not, and you're in there, well, then I want to throw you a lifeline and say, this isn't what life is always going to look like. It can look better. You just need to show up. You need to be involved. You need to be um, make a choice for yourself to do this. You know, choose you today. Now it's and
0: it's cool because that journey has has brought you to speak on stages literally all over the world. Um, you've been a part of I know our summit which went international, and I know you were a part of another friend of mine's summit, Daniela Nika, who you know she did uh, monetizing your genius, and she's got an audience all around the world. So um, it's it's interesting because that wasn't necessarily the goal you were going for, but because you really leaned into. Doing this in the purest form, really, to just to create, right? Um, It gave you um, stages and accomplishments that you would have never been able to have had you just stayed focused on one lane. Um, And I think it's also interesting that, you know, at the culmination of all this, the two things that you found passionate about, art and people. Like you said, you know, you found your sweet spot, you found your lane. And it's not just about making the big paycheck at the end of the goal. I know so many artists, creatives that have made their goal and they're making high six, seven figures, but they're miserable because they are neglecting the other things that they were given gifts and talents and passions around. But they're so focused on that one thing that they might've got there but they found that not all that glitters is gold. And uh, I think that's the beautiful thing about your journey. And um, I love the fact that you're teaching it now. um, You know, as we're rounding this episode uh, out, man, again, there's just so much good stuff in here. I know people are going to want to connect with you further. So where can they find you? Where can they connect to learn more about your daily habit uh, practices and, and the courses and the things that you teach?
2: Yeah, so uh, you can really, if you go to my website, mikebrennan.me, that's my hub for all the things that I do, um, you know, with design still and illustration and, and all that stuff. And also in terms of me helping other creative people. Uh, I have a, a Facebook group that's called Daily Creative Habit. If you go to dailycreativehabit.com, that will bring you right through the request page uh, to, to be a part of that group. And that group really is me forming that group you know, inviting people in saying, hey, you're a creative person. It doesn't matter the expression of that creativity, but you have things that you want to see realized in your life. We all do. Let's come together as a community and help each other out. Let's show up more consistently for our craft and our creativity because it's only when we show up consistently that we start seeing the traction, that we start having those realization moments, that we start asking those hard questions because when we just flirt with our art and our creativity, it's too easy for us to, to hide things and to not address things that really need to be addressed and not grow in the ways that we need to grow. It's this balance of being creating a bias towards action, but then also having the freedom and the play and the experimentation in the midst of that to go, I wanna figure out what's important to me. I know I want to create work that's passionate and, and, and significant. How can I do that? So that's what this group is really all about. And then from there, you know, I'm, I'm going to be creating some more resources for people so that it can help them um, move through some of these things. You know, how do I prioritize my projects? I have so many different ideas. I have so many things that I want to do. How do I focus so that I can start at least getting traction on something, you know, and getting it out there. So um, I would love to connect with anybody who, who feels like this episode is really resonated. Awesome, awesome, man. Well, listen, it's been an absolute
0: pleasure. Uh, and I know you, you uh, just dropped a ton of value for everybody that's listening. So again, we wanna say thank you and uh, best of luck to you on
2: everything else that you're doing. Thank you, Jesse. My pleasure.
1: Thank you for listening to another episode of the My Creative District Podcast with your host, Jesse Paul Smith. Here, we turn your passion into profit. Follow us on Facebook, And stay tuned for another episode of the My Creative District podcast.